Welcome to This Lesbian Ship is Intense. I'm Katie. And I'm V. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes, rate and review us, and download our episodes. We're here to talk about the bold type, but um, unfortunately, our feelings have gotten pretty complicated thanks to a preview. Yeah, I mean, I already knew that I was going to 406, not sure how I felt about it. And then that, ooh. That a uh, little promo clip for next week definitely um, made me feel a little bit more negative. And then we got a little preview article. And yeah, we're not, we're struggling. <laughs> you know, we were just like counting down for Adina. We're trying to be positive. We're sticking through it. And then they show her being like biphobic in the preview. And my, when I tell you that my stomach fell out of my ass when I saw that preview. And then we were told, like, oh, it was misleading. So then we tried to, like, restore the faith. And then our dear friend, Ariana, uh, Ariana Tweets, dropped the preview and confirmed our worst fears. that Adina does come off biphobic in the next episode. And I could not be more frustrated with this show about that. Yeah, I just agree with you. We have been so excited for Adina's return. Like we were all waiting to see, are we going to see her in this, you know, promo? Is it going to be like a little glimpse? Is it going to be a lot? And then that's what we get. And so it just like, I think made us all stressed out because it feels like angst, but like not good angst. And so then after I freaked out, I was like, okay, calm down. You know, maybe what Adina said could be misinterpreted as biphobic and they're going to resolve it, blah, blah, blah. But, like, if you're misinterpreted as biphobic, you still come across as biphobic. And that was always my issue. I initially was concerned that they were going to portray Adina as actually being biphobic and not just misconstrued as biphobic. I don't know if it matters. It mattered for me. Like, because I think that people can, because people say bad things. Like, people say true things because we're not all experts at communication like it's a reality of it so for me it was better to know that adina might say something inappropriately that comes off as biphobic rather than she's saying something intentionally that is in fact biphobic because she is by you know like so for right. me it mattered and it helped me process like my frustration with the promo but then we got <laughs> the preview for the episode I've just kind of been all over the place. Like I'm still frustrated because it seems as if though whatever Adina says is, is a misinterpretation, but it still comes off as biphobic and that's creating its own concerns for me with regards to using Adina as the vehicle for this. But there are other things, primarily Mr. Pegg's continued existence that has me concerned about the next episode. I feel like it plays into this polarization of Adina Adina is the only Persian Muslim lesbian on television. She is already misconstrued by the vast majority of your audience and view her as untrustworthy. And they're, they're unwittingly leaning into all these Islamic Islamophobic traits, right? Like for Adina to even hint that her or her lesbian friends might not be welcoming of a bi person at a party Number one, that doesn't fall in line with season one Adina because Kat has always been interested in men as far as Adina is concerned. And she's been okay with it. And then you're literally polarizing 
the very audience that you should be trying to unite. Like, lesbian biphobia is very real. Also, portraying lesbians in a negative light is very real on television. And within the sh same ship to have that discussion and to make Adina be the face of that, I just really don't feel comfortable with. And it really seems to be clear why they're doing that because they don't have a lesbian in the writing room. So they don't understand why lesbians would be very upset about having a main character they relate to come across as being biphobic. Yeah, and I think that's actually a really good point that you're bringing up. Um, so Wendy responded to someone's tweet and said that there are two bisexual writers in the room. And I think she said either one queer writer or a gay writer. A queer writer. Queer writer. Okay. And here's my struggle. And granted, this is all from a promo and a preview. We haven't watched the episodes. But I'm right. struggling with the fact that what to, is to come potentially is something that is realistic. I mean, is it realistic that there are people who say biphobic shit all the time? And does that happen in the lesbian community and in, in general? Yes. So, uh, you know, processing this, I was like, oh, okay. All right. So if there are these bisexual writers on the in the writer's room, perhaps they went in with their perspective and are like, yeah, this is a real thing that happens and you know, it should be shared and I can accept that and value that. But as a lesbian, probably, you know, my bias coming into play is I'm concerned about that happening with the one lesbian character because I love her. I don't think that it's in character with her. And as you stated, um, all of Adina's other identities already make her, a less favorable character for the majority audience. And so it just feels like you're adding another thing for people to potentially be rude about to her. And so I just, I wish that this would come up with like someone else at the party maybe said something. I don't know. I get it. And I just think there was a lack of oversight to say, I, do, I wonder like, was there any objection to that? I just, I'm really discouraged by it. There's not Muslim people in the writing room and there's not lesbian people in the writing room. And so Adina is just a big black hole. And honestly, it doesn't matter what your intentions are if this is the hole that you're forming. And, um, you know, that was a problem in season two. There's, I don't know if there's anyone in the writing room who's fighting for Adina who thinks she's a valuable character and who thinks she's worthy of having a good storyline because it fucking remains to be seen. I think that they do care about Adina, but I don't know that they know how to go about it. And I think that's because while they may care about her, they're just having these gaps, you know, like without truly understanding that experience and not bridging the gap by getting people in who can help them bridge that gap, they're still going to be lacking. I want to read this tweet thread and it's from Ace who is at Ace Duggar on Twitter. Um, she said, there will be a day when shows get it through their thick skulls that they can't write authentic, impactful stories if they don't have people, plural, in the room who reflect the characters on screen. But today is obviously not that day. You can't write marginalized characters with niche experiences like you write other characters. You simply cannot. If you have not lived their experience yourself, anything you attempt to write for underrepresented characters will immediately be clocked as disingenuous and perfunctory, 
whether that was the intention or not. Don't speak for others. It's that simple. Don't conflate your confidence in writing marginalized characters with the actual ability to do so genuinely and effectively. It's absurd. Acknowledge there are things you don't and couldn't possibly know because of your limited background. Reevaluate. Take a step back. Bring people, plural, to the table who've lived the character's experience and watch your show flourish. Decide not to be bring people who are critical to the table and there are real-life consequences for both the show, lower ratings, viewership and engagement, and the viewers. Adina's character holds more weight. She is currently the sole face of Muslim lesbians on TV. Anything said by her will be directly absorbed and taken at face value by casual viewers, which in turn has the potential to be projected onto real-life Muslims and lesbians. Dumb, but true. Misrepresentation is far more harmful than no representation. And I think that was really well done. And I agree with that in so many ways. And TV in, is different than other mediums. There are more writers for a reason because you're trying to cover more experiences for a reason. There is no reason you can't have diverse characters on a show because there's no reason you shouldn't have the voices that represent those characters in your writing rooms. Yeah, I think that Ace wrote a fantastic thread and I agree with it. And I think that's what I was trying to um, say is that what I was trying to say is that the reason that they're lacking the ability to do this, granted, I can't know what their real intentions are, whether or not they care or not, but their struggle with it and frustrating fans is because they don't have a writing room that is representative of who they're writing for. And so they are going to miss things and potentially not see the larger implications of the writing that they're doing. So I thought that was a great thread. I, I don't know. I'm struggling. I definitely had negative feelings. I'm trying very hard not to go too far in my negative feelings because I haven't seen the episode. So everything that I am saying at this point in time is completely based on my own, you know, my assumptions as to what it's going to look like. We've, we've got a little bit, you know, but like, we don't really know. And so I'm really going to wait. I don't mean anything of what we said to discourage people from watching, but I think one of the things we like to talk about is representation and the um, impacts of it. And um, we're going to keep doing that. Oh, show. Okay. So now we are here to talk about the actual episode, uh, which was episode 406, entitled To Peg or Not to Peg. Written by um, Lara as a party and directed by Erica Dunton. So we start with a spa day with the trio and they are talking about a potential vagina facial, which is immediately off-putting to me. And Jane is contemplating one and says that it's supposed to give you the confidence and glow you didn't know you needed. But I was like, what the fuck is a vagina facial? Is this like a thing that people do that I'm just like stupid because I don't know about? I, there was Googling that happened. Anyways. The second I heard it, I was like, oh my God, this is like a yeast infection waiting to happen. <laughs> yep. Jane is talking about being nervous to be on a wellness panel and Kat tells him that she slept with Mr. Peg. The girls are like, what? Yeah, they freak out really intensely. And Kat said that she was kind of 
leaned into it because she was looking for the unexpected after her encounter with French Ped. Um, and she says that she's only emotionally connected to women, but she's always liked sleeping with both, and she rejects labels. Okay, so they ask her, like, what does this mean when they find out that she's had sex with a guy? And I, so I struggled a lot with things in this episode. And I will have a summary at the end to like how I I got everything together in my mind. But at this point in time, when I watched it, I was like, what are you talking about? What does this mean? Like she went out with guys before she's hooked up with guys before she went out with Trevor on that like group date thing. She talked about how she was like only a one girl kind of girl when she was doing all of that. Like we know that cat likes hooking up with men. So like that really threw me, especially when someone says like, does this mean you're not a lesbian? And I was like, she's never been a lesbian. Like this is established that she likes having sex with men. I think it really depends on your personal attachment to labels and your personal understanding of them. So I always just assumed that Kat was queer in some way. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that means that she's not solely into women. So I was just like, all right. <laughs> so some of the things that they're getting into in this episode, I'm like, oh, we already addressed that. Mm-hmm. But maybe if you don't, have a strong understanding of labels or you are completely confused on where you fall getting into this conversation in depth even though it feels redundant to could be beneficial but I think that's my own bias because I'm in a place where I'm comfortable with my own label I think part of why I did struggle with this episode is because I understand that labels are important to some people and I don't think that I'm one of those people And so for me, I was just like struggling with it because one, I just don't feel, I never felt a really huge urge to like find the right label that like truly encompasses me. Like I was just very like, eh, I don't know what's happening. Like, I think this is it. I think, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I struggled with understanding that for Kat a lot. And then also I I think in not knowing how I identified, I would use a lot of terms very interchangeably because it didn't matter to me to right. use like one specific term or to like really identify like what is my true identity? You know, like I didn't care about using all these other words. Like I would always at the end of the day just say like, as long as you don't call me straight, because that's the one thing I know is like, I'm not straight. So I think I brought a lot of that into watching this episode, but I do understand that labels are important for people. And I think that, especially with cat identifying as bisexual at the end, it is important. But I think that a lot of my responses go initially through that reference point. And I can summarize my, you know, final thoughts in the end, but that's how I'll be reviewing this episode. I mean, really the important bit is Cody leaves his watch and they think it's a ploy for her to go back or them to keep hooking up, I guess. And okay, this is the first time and we get a couple of references of this, but like they referred to um Jane's vagina is tinier Jane and I hate that (laughs) I hate referring to genitals by a person's name in any sort of media it drives me fucking crazy I don't know if this is super intentional but I wonder because it could be an example of how Jane herself 
succumbs to the same type of, you know, trap that a lot of women fall into, which is they don't want to refer to their genitals as explicitly as what they are. You know, like people prefer like these euphemisms like down there. I don't know if that was completely intentional, but anyways. I bet it was. I bet that was part of what they were going for. It's just something I hate. So anyway, Alex and Sage are in the lobby of Scarlet, and they're debating the merits of the Yankees and Mets. So they're trying to make you forget you're in Montreal, New York, and trying to get you go to go back to New York, New York. Alex is a firm Yankee guy, and Sage is a Mets girl. Dr. Alicia comes back, comes in, excuse me, looking phenomenal in red. It's her first appearance. And she makes a little reference about Derek Jeter buying bananas at Whole Foods or something. Number one, I feel like we need like a nickname for her. You know how they would do on Grey's Anatomy when a new hot doctor uh, shows up? Yeah. Like it, it, her name should be like Dr. Power Suit. No, you just you just gotta say power suit. You can't do the doctor power suit, just power suit. Power suit. Yeah. But then it takes away her badassness of being a doctor. <laughs> what would we just call her Dr. Alicia? Dr. Alicia. I tried. <laughs> um is flirting with Alex, as Sage points out. Because she's like, Does Derek Jeter really buy his own groceries? And here I say this is why I suck at flirting because I would not have picked up what she was throwing down. Um, I probably would have because I would be like, why is this woman who I'm not talking to interjecting into our conversation and showing interest in like specifically what I'm saying? You know, like. But it's like sports are universal. I would just be like, oh, you're just contributing to our sports conversation. No, I think I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'm literally showing how useful useless <laughs> I am. But I'm just like, all right, like everybody's got an opinion on the Yankees. But I think that's funny. Also, though, I was like, Dr. Alicia, you don't know if Sage and Alex are together. You're just interjecting there and making it clear that you're into making it clear <laughs> that you're into him. <laughs> and um, Sage tries to get Alex to go after her. And he says, if it is meant to be, he will see her again. And then, bam, she walks into the Scarlet offices. Her name is Dr. Alicia Golden, and she is a top neurosurgeon at Columbia Hospital and is also the keynote speaker at the upcoming wellness seminar. And she also went to school with Jacqueline, apparently. And then we also find out Jacqueline has an ex named Miles Shaw, who went to school with them, who's an author now. And they are all going to be at some alumni reunion the following week. Then um, we see Sutton wearing a pearl necklace. And Kat is like, what's going on, June Cleaver? Why are you dressed like that? And we find out that um, Sutton is meeting Richard's mother for lunch and not dinner because of her job and she's freaking out a little bit about meeting with her okay so i'm confused because she says it's our first time hanging out alone and so but she was also acting like they've never spent time together so i was like is this their first time meeting period their first time meeting period and alone 
Or is it the first time they're hanging out alone, but she's, like, met her in a group setting before? I needed clarification on that because that matters. What I don't really get what their established relationship is. Does she wear pearls every time she hangs out with her with Richard? Like, what's going on here? Because it kind of felt like she was trying to set a first impression but she's already met her. Exactly. I was like, it seemed like she was trying to do like a first impression thing. And I was like, your first meeting should not be alone. Like, no, that is not. No. Well, I just also have to say that I really hate when people change themselves for like their in-laws and other people. Like that's not sustainable. That's shit. We also see Jane start to get uncomfortable in the vaginal region. Then we have Jacqueline and Alicia. They're like, formulating some things about the event because Dr. Alicia is a keynote speaker for it. And the doc asks about Alex. It just occurred to me, this means that Dr. Alicia is around Jacqueline's age, yeah? Yes. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. I didn't think about her being an older woman either. But maybe not because... Alumni events don't necessarily mean that you went to school together. Ooh, very true, very true, very true. Okay. When you're talking about college, at least. I was just wondering if they were doing, like, a literal, like, female Richard for Alex. You know, like, older, more successful. It could be, because they do parallel that. I just don't know if it's for sure. We don't get enough clarification on that. But um, Sage is like, Alex, if you don't ask her out, I'm going to. And maybe bisexual Sage would really save everything for me. (laughs) We just have to assume that Sage is bisexual or maybe pan or some identity that is not straight. I feel like Sage would be totally pan. Yeah, I agree. I think that Sage would be very open and that's just my head canon. We then have Kat go to see um, Mr. Peg to bring his watch back and i think i I might just be projecting and let me be very clear about that but i find him kind of sleazy he just gives me lots of pinstripe vibes i don't care about him because i just view him as another obstacle on the way to adina (laughs) do they have chemistry i really don't feel it no i think that they do really I don't know about chemistry, but I think that they have an ease of talking with each other. It was a very really. I just don't, and I'm so surprised saying this because I literally think Asia has had chemistry with every person she's interacted with, but I don't really feel it with them. Like Mm -hmm. Asia even had chemistry with Uber Girl, in my opinion. I'm just saying I didn't like her, but you it felt I have, there. I haven't rewatched it to know that that's true or not because I was angry the entire time. So like I don't know, I don't know. So I can't reference that, but I can say that they very easily flirt with each other. Anyway, they just talk about being casual, and he suggests changing it up in the bedroom, and she's like, "What do you suggest?" And he's like, "How about you peg me?" I have, first of all, Kat's facial expression was truly hilarious to me watching this live when he said that. And I was just like waiting for this moment. So I really enjoyed it and thought it was really funny. But then they kind of talk about something that like 
he like suggests that Cat would already have a strap on, and Cat's like, I don't have a strap on. You're making assumptions about me, and it just fucking strikes a little bit of a nerve that we're like seeing a strap on with a dude mm-hmm. here, and it's not a bad thing, and I'm not against it, but like I don't want to act like this is like revolutionary because it's with a dude, because it's not like we fucking see strap ons between women on network television a part of me was appreciative of the fact that he doesn't have an issue with the fact that she was the woman because you know guys can be weird about like women who hook up with other women yeah he wasn't gross or anything you know the part of me that's pissed off that we didn't get to see cat sexual explorations with adina and i personally also believe that she should have had her strap experience with adina or with another woman so I appreciated that he was with me where he made this kind of assumption. Granted, his assumption is more about her being like a boss, badass woman and not necessarily because she's hooked up with women. I felt as if though that was affirmation for my feelings that she should have one or like I would have <laughs> expected her to have one already. And so I don't know. I definitely went into this not excited for it because I love Adina and I'm a little bit of a jealous hoe for television characters <laughs> where I'm just like, no, Valid. this should be See, with Adina. I'm a- I've been very pro-pegging, and I'm here for it. I just have a slight problem with the framing of it all. Like, I feel like if it wasn't her first strap experience, it wouldn't bother me. Um, But I also recognize this is, like, you know, I want to see, like, female experiences. And I'm kind of like, well, you know. This is awesome and this is important, but I also haven't seen this with a woman. Like, I don't want to act like that's normalized either on network television, but it's not like pegging a dude is normalized on television. <laughs> so I'm really here for that too. Anyway, but Kat says, which is an interesting thing, that she thinks she's a boss in the boardroom, but a bottom in the bedroom. I swear they wrote this line so we can all shut the fuck up about whether or not Kat is a top or a bottom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this is where they were going with uh, that whole domination thing in season two or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of already there with it. But, you know, people like to, you know, debate healthily about this. So <laughs> I feel like that was addressing it. So then we have Sutton having lunch with Richard's mom, who has a British accent, by the way. Did that throw anybody off? Does she have a British accent, or does she just have, like, that old-school actor, like, style of talking that sounds almost British, but Is that supposed to be a New England accent, like an upper-class New England accent? I don't know upper-class people. (laughs) I don't know what's going on with the accents. That's all I can say. That threw (laughs) me off. And she calls Sutton's Instagram an instant-gram. Sutton says that she's trying to do it to get a promotion and is trying to explain it. And um, Richard's mother is really not picking up what she's saying and doesn't understand it. And then she compares herself to a commodity, which then prompts Richard's mother to be like, "Is are you talking about being a salesperson? And she's like, no, it's more like a a brand and this whole language really gets to the core of my hesitance about this whole like 
YouTuber influencer culture because when you start viewing people as commodities, then it leads to like blind following and attaching like monetary worth to people and that freaks me out a little bit as a human. But you know, that's all I have to say. It triggered that feeling in me. Well, okay, so did you read Richard's mother as rude in this interaction? It just kind of felt like a really okay boomer interaction to me where like she really wasn't getting it or understanding Mm -hmm. what Sutton was trying to say. And she kind of, I think, got a little bit defensive by it, but I wouldn't really, I didn't really feel judgment here. So it's interesting because the first time I watched this, I was actually really annoyed with Mama and I was like, stop being rude. I don't know why, because in my second watch through, I was like, she's not being rude at all. Like, I think she just really doesn't get what Sutton is saying. Like, I guess it could come across as pushy, but like, I really think she was getting frustrated by her inability to understand. Yeah, I'm curious, because I definitely in the second watch through, I was like, oh, my God, this totally reminds me of this person that I know in my life who will consistently pose questions in this manner to gain understanding and doesn't mean anything bad by it but like in our conversations I will feel stupid because of the way the questions are posed but she's like no I'm just trying to understand like I'm not trying to be a bitch uh so that's how I interpreted mama uh, in the second watch through so I was like oh okay should we call her mama dick oh my god I can't do it I'm gonna just call her mama (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna call her mama dick Jane calls her doctor And she finds out she has a yeast infection, essentially, and she might have an odor. And her doctor tells her that facials are for the face, not the vagina. I was also just really shocked by Jane where she's just like, an odor? What kind of odor? And I'm like, girl, have you not had anything happen to your vagina? Listen, I think this is a very valid storyline for Jane being raised by a father with several brothers. Okay. She has solely had to rely on the internet I just couldn't believe that at this age of her life, she has not had a yeast infection yet. But I think she's had one based off later conversations. She just is alarmed by it. Well, then you should know what fucking vaginal odor means. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's hard to understand the girl's histories. I was just, I was just a little judgy of her not knowing my bad. And Kat tells Jane about the fact that Mr. Peg wants to beg. Kat says she said no. And Jane's like, why? And Kat's like, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm into this domination thing. And Jane's like, yeah, but you get to dominate a dude. So you should do it. And um, she's like, we're going to the store to check out strap-ons. I didn't know how I felt about that. Like, is it different to dominate a guy? I mean, I guess maybe with it's like a, it's definitely viewed as like a emasculine thing by regular society. Alex tries to text Alicia and she texts him back like, uh, reservations at Kokana, 7.30, let's go. Okay, I don't know how I feel about Dr. Alicia. <laughs> and... We need to do a, a drink count of how many times V says, I don't know how I feel about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
really don't know how I feel about a lot of this episode and a lot of what's happening. I've tried processing so much. So with Dr. Alicia, I like, I did, I thought about this a lot and I was like, am I also a product of society where I'm just like, I don't like this direct woman, but I don't think that's what it is. I think that I just, I don't think that I'm comfortable with someone else taking charge. So in the end of the day, I don't think that I dislike Alicia because she's a woman who's direct and forward. I think I don't like it because I just do not like people. Like I am the direct forward one. So like I can't handle that. She's just like, this is where we're going. And this is the time I'm like, I am so into it. I fucking love it. Um, so this shows a difference and preference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, don't tell me what to do, <laughs> even though we're going out to a nice date. I'm like, don't decide this for me. Um, I'm all I can be like that, but I'm into it. I'm into Alicia's vibe. I really feel Sage's love for her myself. We jump to the strap store. And they talk about what it's like to pick out a strap on. And, um. Love the Harry Potter reference. <laughs> yeah, they're like, maybe this is a Harry Potter situation where the strap chooses you. Um, and <laughs> they get into like some details I'm not particularly fussed about. Um, but ultimately, Cat feels more more of a draw to the rainbow dildo and she likes these suspenders that come with it so the details that you are not fussed about getting into i just have to share my opinion about one (laughs) go right ahead i'm not into the flesh color tones like i just feel like yeah i approve of her getting the the rainbow color dildo that part i am fully on board with i think flesh tones are fucking freaky Right. Um, so I am fully there. I don't want a realistic looking one. Yeah. Yep. So I I approved of her getting the rainbow one. But also, I wish I would have paid more attention to what she purchased when they showed the box. Because later on, when she puts it on and we see that you it, were like, very it has suspenders. Yes. I was like, what the fuck are you wearing? <laughs> I was so confused. So looking at the box, I was like, oh, I get it now. And then Sutton is kind of lamenting that um, Mama Dick thinks she's a joke. And um, Kat's like, you know, this is the perfect opportunity for you to get a sponsor for your wedding. I thought it was great that Kat also pointed out that Mama just may not understand. And I was like, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, You also see Jade in the background just like sniffing everything. And (laughs) (laughs) and I thought it was so funny. It was. It was hilarious. And, like, they're going to go pay. Like, Sutton is making Kat go buy this. And uh, she, like, knows the return policy by heart, which is funny. And I just think it's also funny how Jane's like, oh, you know, just going to stay behind. You guys go. So they think that she's buying a strap for Ryan. And then Jacqueline is looking up Miles Shaw on her computer and then she makes her assistant do some research on him as a boss would. Time to stalk my ex. Please do that work <laughs> for me. I didn't even think about why she asked Andrew. I thought it was because they were doing something with him for Scarlet because I was not paying attention. 
You were on Andrew's level this episode. (laughs) For the Jacqueline shit, I definitely was. Jane calls Pinstripe and cancels going out with him and plays sick while she checks out Vag Perfume. I was like, not just Vag Perfume. She bought the entire store's stock of all these fucking vaginal products. It was ridiculous. Listen, that made me so uncomfortable watching you know like the mammogram how it makes you have a visceral reaction this also did um Sutton is calling people trying to get sponsors and Kat is exploring the strap-on and this was truly a great television montage if I must say so myself Ooh, it was such a good montage we have Jane Ending the montage by spraying her badge with this perfume and having a very bad reaction. And, like, I really died laughing the second time I watched it. But the first time I watched it, I had, like, a horrified reaction. I was like, what are you doing? No. Oh, my God. I died of laughter, I think, probably both times. I thought it was hilarious. So she's, like, just crying. And she's like, oh, no. Oh, no. I did a bad thing. <laughs> and I was like, this is so fucking relatable. Like, how many times do I do things? And I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> You know, honestly, you don't get enough shit like this on television. I really appreciated it. She calls the girls because she needs moral support through this hard time. And Kat looks so good in the scene with, like, her sweater and glasses. So distracting. So good. I really don't know what happened the first time I watched it because I was so distracted. But Jane's like, yeah, I got a yeast infection. And then the girls are like, yeah, I remember I got a yeast infection before too. What's going on here? When they talk about like um, the patriarchy gets in your heads and that's why, you know, girls don't talk about their vaginas and yeast infections and stuff like that. And then um, Sutton like touches her brain when she's like, they get into your head and um, or mind or whatever it was. And then they're like, we're going to get you some boxers and medicine and ice packs. And they're going to do the boxers to let um, you breathe. And like, Sutton like blows wind when she says that. It's just so fucking small, but hilarious. Yeah, it was funny, but I didn't love it that much. Probably because I was too busy yelling about the fact that Jane did this. Where I was just like, Jane, your vagina should not smell like cookies. Like, this is not. And I just like, I get really, really aggravated about how the patriarchy gets into women's minds and makes them think that their vaginas needs to be a certain way. So, like, I was just really riled up watching it. <laughs> True. The, I wasn't as riled up in this scene because I, you know, could sympathize with Jane. And then Jean panics because she finds out that the panel will be live streamed. So more than just the audience, we'll see her squirm. (laughs) Alex and Dr. Alicia are at dinner. And Alex talks about his previous writing experience with the Wall Street Journal and wrote this big piece on Bloomberg as mayor. And let me tell you when I got triggered when he said that. I was like, can we please not talk about Bloomberg right now? It's not good timing. Alicia and Alex are getting along great and seem to have a great rapport. But she's called out of work to respond to a medical emergency. 
Um, might I add, it's looking fine in her yellow jumpsuit. I think I was like, what are my notes on this? And so I'm like, oh, they're bonding over baseball. I'm not into it. This is too mature for me. <laughs> Their conversation is too mature. I'm not into it. <laughs> um, And then I'm like, is Alex insecure about working for Scarlett? Like, sure seemed like it. If you're a dude, I don't know how I felt about this whole thing. Because, like, I get being insecure to a woman, that part's fine. But, like, the, and how he talked about Scarlett, and, like, it kind of seems like minimizing of the magazine and not like he has this greater appreciation for what it does outside of just being, like, a dating advice magazine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I don't know how I feel about a dude minimizing its worth when he gets insecure. I don't know. I guess I think that it's realistic. I think that he's not necessarily trying to minimize the work that Scarlett's doing, but I think especially in comparison to where he's been working professionally before and then compared to a doctor, like, I think he could have been working in any magazine and he would have minimized it because, like, how do you compare to a fucking neurosurgeon who gets called out <laughs> for uh, from a date, you know, because they're specially requested? I think he would have minimized anything. True. That's valid. I mean... Then Jane is just sitting at home with an ice pack on her badge. And um, Alex comes home and says, I won't ask what's going on here. I feel like he's learned the ropes of things <laughs> um, with those three. And he says he doesn't think that they're going to go anywhere, him and Dr. Alicia. Because she's he thinks she's so smart, funny, good looking, and successful. And the girls are like, and what is your point here? And Alex feels insecure about it. Yeah, he says that she's awesome, but he feels inferior. And everyone calls him out on it. Like, Jane calls him out. And then Sutton is like, what about that shit you said to me about Richard? And I actually really, really loved the way Kat, like, processes this. So she's, like, talking to him and, like, saying, like, I understand this. Like, as a man, you're feeling less powerful and you feel like you're losing your power in her being more successful than you are. And then she realizes that part of her hesitation with Cody is that having power makes her feel like less of a woman to some degree. And unwittingly, Alex has convinced Kat that she should peg him. Uh, Cody, that is, not her, or not Alex. I will say there is a lot of social constructs, even if a guy is okay with it and is vocally okay with it, of the, with them in the world that's like pushes against that and can oh, for sure. make them feel insecure. And I think it makes sense where Alex is coming from. I don't think it's necessarily like a bad thing. And then what you were saying about how Kat just really comes into her own. And it's like, yeah, I feel you. I get why you feel weird when some power is taken away from you. I feel weird when I'm in the sole source of power. And I'm going to conquer that fear and peg Mr. Peg. We're going for it. Yeah. Kat made me laugh earlier when she's like, I'm going to peg Cody. <laughs> it just made me laugh so hard. And then Cy goes, we're going in. Oh, <laughs> uh, that shit made me laugh. That shit was very funny. I laughed out loud when they did that. 
Jane's trying to figure out how to tell Jacqueline about her yeast infection. And I'm dying that she's like, I have to tell Jacqueline I have a yeast infection. Like, why would you tell her? And then we find out that Sutton got a sponsorship and for her wedding. And Kat is wearing her strap on to channel her power at work. Oh, uh, yeah. I was like, Jane needs to walk faster for her vagina. And Kat is trying to adjust her dick. Like, <laughs> a lot is going on for these girls this morning. <laughs> I am telling you. I would always have a bad day at work if I had as much going on in the morning as they do. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> Andrew accidentally sets up a call with Miles Shaw because he misinterpreted Jacqueline's original request and that makes Jacqueline panic. Um, so when Jane pops in to potentially tell Jacqueline about her use infection... Both Jane and Jacqueline are panic and flustered, and this is a pretty comedic scene um, where Jane ends up going, like, thank you for the opportunity. And Jacqueline is like, wow, you're great. You're great. You're going to do great. And I appreciated it. I thought it was funny. Um, I was also just laughing that, like, Jacqueline is like, oh, hi, Jane, sit. And Jane's like, um, I can't sit. And then Jane, Jacqueline's just like, okay. And she's like, no yeah, big deal. She's like, okay, stand there then. And I just hope that the show, maybe next week they will play into Melora's comedic abilities. Well, I'm hoping that we will get some good shit because Jacqueline should be having some stuff up in next step. And then um, we have Sutton and Claire chatting about the wedding and Sutton is very excited to tell that she got a beer sponsor called Hogsmith and Claire kind of freaks out about all of this and is like, I'll pay for it. Don't settle for beer. She's always like, let's get the best. And Sutton is like, well, I'm not a fucking champagne. I'm a craft beer and I'm not fancy and bougie, but Richard loves me and you're going to have to deal with it, Mama Dick. And I thought this was so fascinating because I do think that Mama Dick was coming off a little bit elitist. However, I don't know that it was judgmental of Sutton. First of all, why the fuck are Sutton and Mama looking at venues together? No fucking way would I have planned my wedding with my in-laws. Like, no fucking thank you. Ugh. So anyways, secondly... The first watch through, I thought Mama was being super judgy and I was pissed. And I was like, you tell her about how you're a beer and you're good enough and not everyone wants fucking champagne. And I was pissed. My second watch through, I was like, oh, Mama's just stupid. Where she's just like, oh, honey, why do you want a beer? Let's get a champagne. You know, like she's just trying to like give you the best. I thought it was very interesting because it kind of seems a little bit along the lines of Richard when he was like, oh, I'll just get you this sewing machine. Oh, I'll just have this person do your laundry for you. And that's who he was raised by. Yeah. And it kind of seems like it's just a personal thing that was triggered in Sutton. Not that it doesn't come across as elitist and offensive, uh, because it can. And I personally in Sutton Jews may also feel the same way as her. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think that she was actually trying to judge Sutton. 
then we go to the wellness talk and dr alicia is channeling her best ted talk talking about health and wellness and jane and sutton and cat are observing and jane is wondering how she will resist the urge to itch the bitch which is a great line that was a really good line um also why is dr alicia the keynote speaker for this because she's a neurosurgeon i don't know either exactly i'm just like you're a neurosurgeon so like don't know why you're the type of doctor who would be here for this wellness thing and then two I just feel like any doctor would not be on a panel that would be promoting fucking Sabrina George when every fucking doctor, I feel like, knows that this shit that people do to their vagina. Well, she wasn't on the panel. The panel was just part of the event. But what still doesn't make sense to me is why a, a uh, neurosurgeon is doing, like, a public health talk. And then um, let me just say that um, I put it together when Jane was saying, like, oh, that's Sabrina George who's responsible for this. Mm -hmm. That Sabrina George, I do believe, is a reference to Regina George, mean girl. Why do you think it's a reference to her? Because of the, um, like, the kind of mean girl vibe that she goes for where they, like, rise up against her at the end and they all stand up. And say, like, I have this, and I have this, and I have this. Is okay, that okay, not a Mean it. Girls reference? I don't know. I, I can see how it could be. I feel like it is. And I'm choosing <laughs> to believe that it is. Even if it's not. And then they're on this panel. And this is when I start to get on my fucking high horse. She keeps talking about down there or whatever. And Jane's like, can we please say vagina? And then mm-hmm. she doubles down on that and it's like most women prefer innuendos and i'm sorry i don't know any adult women that prefer innuendos okay not only does she say that but she ends it with am i right ladies indicating that ladies you should agree and that is what really irks me I am okay with her stating that in her experience, women prefer innuendos because unfortunately I do know women that prefer that and feel very uncomfortable with just saying vagina. And so I agree with her. I do think that there are a lot of women who have that preference, but when she says, am I right? Ladies indicates that she agrees with these women, that this is how you should refer to it. And that pissed me off. Oh yeah. She's definitely exerting her power as this, all-knowing specialist that knows what's best for your vagina that you should agree with her um then we have a mini break where alex talks to doc alicia and tells her she was great and i just don't really know that it's a great tactic to tell someone that they're really smart and beautiful and you like them a lot but you're insecure like i just don't know but he's honest yeah i was gonna say i appreciated his honesty about it oh i mean it's it's a good honest thing but i just don't know how i would feel if someone told me that i would just be like wow okay i think that i would probably react like dr alicia did which is like all right you're not ready for me sad but like if you can't appreciate all of this then you don't get all of this oh right i was totally feeling dr alicia here and then Sabrina's like, oh, I'm giving out my vag facial package. And she that fucking is- says a dash of douche makes the worries go down. And I fucking lost it. I was like, shut the fuck up. No, that's not good for your fucking vagina. 
Oh, I was really heated at this moment. I was so upset. And I was like, Jane, if you don't fucking say something. <laughs> like, Jane, you have an opinion about everything. Now is the time to have an opinion. Was it you or was it somebody else who was like, oh, okay. She was like, she was handling it. But when it was like hundreds of other women who were about to get a yeast infection, she's like, this is the point. I got to tell people. I really liked that Jane, she crushed it at work. And then she basically killed Sabrina George's career in the same breath. Yeah. She really knocked that one out of the park. But she was like, I have a fucking yeast infection from this shit, guys. Don't buy it. It's a scam. The worst yeast infection of my life. <laughs> and then she's like, we have to stop being embarrassed about this shit. Like vaginas don't smell like cookies it's okay that's biology like why are we embarrassed about this stuff and you know i don't think this is a conversation you see every day on television so i thought this was really cool and then everybody else <laughs> stands up and talks about how their vaginas are perfect yeah i really appreciated that while i thought it was a bit cheesy and corny I also really appreciated hearing other women express what's going on with their vaginas that makes them feel insecure or as if though there's something wrong with it, especially that woman who points out that she's about to have surgery for her labia, even though she doesn't want to, like indicating that she's getting some kind of external pressure that she feels like is a thing she needs to do. And I feel like that happens for women a lot where they feel like they need to change this thing about them, even though on their own, they don't have an issue with it. The issue comes from others in society telling them they should have an issue with it. Like your vaginas go through a lot. Like, I don't know. Just fucking love your vag. Then Sutton runs into Claire and <laughs> Mama Dick's like, I had a tone with you and I'm sorry. I and then Sun tries to dismiss it and she's like no I heard it I had a tone and she says that she's jealous because she gave up a career to raise Richard and she regrets it and she sees Sun trying to achieve and that kind of triggered something within her and um that makes Sutton cry a little bit and says that she really misses Richard and being in a long distance relationship is really hard and Mama Dick welcomes Sutton into the family. And I just have to say that I really did like this scene. I really appreciated it. I appreciated the fact that Richard's mom went out of her way to apologize first and take it upon herself to make sure that she has a good relationship with Sutton. And I also just was like, oh, I see the good parts of Richard in the scene with his mom. And it's really nice to see because, you know, we know that his dad was kind of a jerk and wasn't really there that much. And to see, like, his mom, um, you know, actually care about Sutton and have these, like, nice little tendencies, it kind of makes sense why Richard is kind of a caring guy and wants to be with someone that's, independent and feisty like Sutton um well I can agree with you about being happy that her mother or um that mama comes and apologizes to Sutton because she recognized that she had a tone because I think that it was unintentional but when Sutton reacted the way that she did she was able to analyze and assess how she engaged with her and was like oh, okay shit I was a little bit you know condescending and rude uh, my bad 
And so I was happy because Sutton has such a tendency to apologize for asserting how she feels. And it really irritates me. Like, no, Sutton, like, you can be pissed about shit. And, like, you weren't even a rude bitch about it. Like, you were just like, I am beer and I'm good enough. Like, I don't know. I didn't think it was rude. So um, I see that. I didn't think much about, like, the implications of, like, who mama is and like who Richard is like in that. But I like what you're saying. Like those are some of his good qualities. I can see that. That's good. But I just died with laughter when mama's like, you know, we can have beer and blah, blah, blah. And she says the name and she says it wrong. And Sutton corrects her. And she's like, just in case you want to hashtag it. And she hugs him. She's like, I'm not going to hashtag it, dear, or sweetie. And it was the best fucking moment for me. I really enjoyed this little dynamic. Plus, I love mother figures. I I think it meant a lot to Sutton, who has a very complicated relationship with her own mother, to have this kind of reaction with Mama Dick. And I think that's also what triggered the emotions. And I think that's what triggered the emotions about Sutton missing Richard. And then we have Cat putting on the strap. <laughs> uh, I thought she looked cute as shit, like fixing that, fixing her strap and then walking over. She did look cute as shit going into the peg room. <laughs> um, it's really hard for me because I don't find Mr. Peg very sexy, but I find Cat very sexy. So here we go. Yeah. And there's this big thing about connecting and emotional vulnerability and the scene is much more intimate where I thought it would be more funny. Well, I think it's funny that you're mentioning that it was like all intimate and shit because my reactions as I'm watching this (laughs) were not romantic. I was just like, girl, did you lube it up? Like, what are you doing? Oh, I know. (laughs) I was a little bit like, all right, he's just ready to go. Claire, we find out that Mama Dick likes Hogsmith because there's this cute little selfie of Sutton and her. Jane goes to see Jacqueline and she tells her that her vagenda was very brave and inspiring. And I have to say, I hate that word vagenda. Like, I do think it's important to trip to embrace the word vagina. But I think when you start com- combining words like that, I think to the mass amounts of people it trivializes something and makes them take it less seriously and i don't like it i don't care (laughs) i don't care about the word vagenda her inspirational vagenda speech i'm only using it because they are um might land her on forbes 30 under 30 list Oh, yeah. When we got that news, I was like, whoa, okay. Listen, these people achieve great career markers very easily, it seems. And then Jacqueline wants Andrew to get Miles Shaw on the phone for her. So um, she's ready to branch out. And Jane has inspired Jacqueline once again. For all you Jane Quillen fans out there, I see you and I feel you. Um... Then we have a big moment for Kat in the fashion closet. She talks about her pegging experience and says that it was different than she expected. It was intimate and she really connected with him and she's never had that with a guy before. And then she says that maybe she's bisexual. She hates labels, but she feels it's important for her to own the space she's in and make sense of it. 
Jane and Son say they don't care what labels she uses. They support her anyway, which, duh, we knew that. Thank you. I mean, it's important for them to say, but, like, of course they do. And then, for a very good intentional framing at the end of the scene, the three girls are holding hands in an upside-down pink triangle, which was, I think, intentional and really cool framing and i appreciated that shot very much yeah i don't know who i saw point that out but oh I did didn't... someone point that out yeah yeah i don't know who somebody on twitter pointed definitely said something about it and i was like huh i hadn't thought about it and i'm really glad that they did because i think that's a great uh a great bit that i missed originally and so this is i think the point in which we kind of get into our complicated feelings all right. So like we said earlier, I think that part of the reason that I struggled with this episode was because of kind of like what I'm bringing into this, which is I'm like, hey, we already know she's bisexual. Kat has already been very like we know that she likes hooking up with men. So like this kind of big revelation that she's bisexual just kind of like didn't make sense to me. And then also, I think I struggled with it because I didn't understand how her hooking up with Mr. Pegg was the catalyst for this um, for this revelation. Also, also, I was stuck in between, like I was stuck processing where I thought this was going and where it actually went. You know, so I went into this thinking that we were going to have this revelation, and I didn't think that they were going to say it in this way. But I thought that we were going to have this big revelation that Kat identifies as bisexual but homoromantic because she seems to only be intimate with women. So I was completely thrown with this whole like I felt a connection with Cody and now this is making me realize I'm bisexual. And I was like, what? So so some of the ways that I've worked it out, um, I, I thought like, okay, they're writing this in a way to have Kat have a bisexual identity. So now I understand, I guess, why Adina was gone for this period of time because they needed her to, like, hook up with a woman and hook up with a man so she could figure out her label before Adina comes back so that um, that can get all worked out. And while I don't ever want to see anyone with a man because I just don't, like, I'm not interested in men, I can concede that it is good representation, in my opinion, that we get to see a bisexual woman date both men and women. So, like, we got to see her... I mean, we didn't see her with men, but we assumed she was with men before Adina. Then she, like, made out with Trevor. Then she, you know, gets with Tia. Now she hooks up with – she hooks up with French Pet and then this guy. And I do believe that Kadina is going to be endgame. So, like, I'm like, all right, okay, I can concede that this makes sense. But I think the biggest thing that has been helpful for me in processing this episode was actually from – oh, my God, was it Pam Renee? Um, let me find the username. So we – decided to tweet out asking what our bi viewers felt about this episode because neither Katie nor I identify as bisexual. And so I And we want to practice what we preach and listen to other people's perspectives when we can. Yes. And so I really, really appreciated. So it's at Pam underscore Renee who helped me understand my biggest question about how did pegging be the catalyst for, you know, cat identifying as bisexual and so she was sharing with us that you know that potentially what it was is that uh cat was in a vulnerable place through pegging um cody which she's never been vulnerable with men before and thus with his being vulnerable and him trusting her that 
Kat was able to achieve this level of intimacy she has not achieved with men before and really solidified her identity as being bisexual and like fully like emotionally and physically interested in both men and women. And so that wasn't the story I expected them to, to pursue. And I think that was an obstacle for me in accepting this, but with this newfound perspective, I think I can get it now. I'm like, okay, all right. So she was vulnerable in a new way with men and this has solidified her identity And while I do feel in some ways that it's redundant because obviously she was bisexual the entire time, like in my opinion, I just felt like OVS. Yes, she used the word lesbian, gay, queer, all this other shit interchangeably, but like obviously she was bisexual. I do understand that labels and words that we use are important. So her saying bisexual, I think is important because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and other forms of social media expressing their frustration that I guess people don't identify as bisexual a lot on television, like that actual term. Like it seems as if though they identify as either gay or straight, like however they're dating, but not use the word bisexual. So I'm happy for y'all. And that's basically the summary of my thoughts. I think. I think I struggled more with the fact that Kat connected so emotionally with Cody because we don't know anything about him so I'm like what about this dude is inspiring this big like revelation from her because it's tied to sex and we know that she's always enjoyed sex with men and women I just was a little bit thrown off and I was like you mean to tell me she's never even had like remotely intimate sex with a dude like even in that I I don't know it was kind of hard for me to buy because I was like already there I guess on her with that like my first reaction and then I was like you know why is she not down to nest with French ped when she's catching maybe feelings and craving intimacy but the second she catches a little bit of feelings and is craving intimacy she's like down with it with Mr. Peg like I was really not there initially well I think especially with what we're thinking is coming in this next episode with like him still being around I totally agree with that point which is like why the fuck can you nest with this dude but not with Ellie like yeah i just don't think most casual viewers would think this deeply about it they probably don't um think about sexuality all that much so i think it is important that cat does make a statement about being bisexual i thought it was you know really important and i also had to take a step back and say like well i'm questioning its importance on whether they're gonna like how this could move cat and adina along but then i also stopped to say well maybe they aren't do I still think that Kat and Dean are in game and that they're working to that? Yes, I do. I just want to point out that that might not be the case, but I got a lot more out of hearing what some of our um, bi listeners had to say. And Pam Renee said she discovered that she was bi leader in life, like Kat, like in her late 20s. And um, her story really resonated. She liked showing that she was emotionally connected um, to men and women because these are things that you would be exploring. And it it was a nice moment. But she would personally love for um, there to be a black guy involved in the situation. 
because there's some that Black Love shown on TV. And then um, another one of our listeners, Ariana, who is not Ariana Tweets, a separate Ariana, said that she kind of falls within the bi and queer label and she has a strong bias towards Adina, so she wanted that day to first. She kind of felt similar to Kat, how she was in the beginning, how she didn't feel like she had to confirm her identity identities. She just knew that she wasn't straight and that was kind of the strongest stance she took, also similar to you. Um, yes. <laughs> and she kind of gets at Kat just trying to have fun and find herself again, but it left a bad taste in her mouth because um she knows she's bi and she doesn't feel like she has to validate that experience by hugging up with men or women she like that's just you know who she is and i kind of get that too i mean i didn't need to know either it's like a i think it's a based on experience thing like some people are more unsure and they feel like they need to do that before they can Maybe not before they can label themselves, but to try to help themselves understand how they feel. They're like more uh, physically oriented, whereas some people have a stronger innate feeling. I mean, I just think that experience varies, but like I could understand how someone would be like, well, she shouldn't need to sleep with him to be able to know that because she's kind of already known that. Like, I think that's a valid perspective. So this person at Basquiat, I appreciated that they also mentioned that it seems as if though the show is conflating bisexuality with biromanticism, biromantic, I don't know how to say right. it, but, and I think that's part of my issue is like, we, we know that she's bisexual. We know that. And so I don't know if they knew, I don't know why they chose to go this route, but I, like I said, I thought they were going to go bisexual, homoromantic, but just kind of label it bisexual and maybe not use those terms exactly, but like get to that same point. So I don't know if they wrote it this way because they are conflating the two and don't know how to distinguish that or if it was because this is how they needed to develop it in order to do that identity, which they wanted to do. I'm not really sure, but I was glad to hear that someone else also felt that they were conflating the two together. I don't think that her coming out as bisexual was really needed to be on par with her realizing like she liked having intimate relationships with people, which is what I think the bigger character moment for Kat was in this episode and most tied to her arc throughout the season because I think emotional feelings and intimacy are different than sexuality. So I think that's why that fell off for a lot of us, because we were like the arc here is her intimacy and her like resistance mm -hmm. to that, not necessarily her sexuality. Um, and then they're like tying it to her sexuality in this episode. Yeah. But like, while it is a big moment for Kat, I don't know that it's the most important part of her arc. At her kaleidoscope on Twitter, said that I found it logical that she would have an experience with a guy that was different than her previous male experience. I think falling in love with Adina cracked her intimacy shell, and now she's going to experience that more. It was just a vehicle to show the psychological, emotional growth in her while giving her some less anxious time to try the strap on. And French Ped was the same, just a smaller dose. And had this been with a woman, I feel like she would have been too bound by her unresolved feelings and issues with Adina, with the her first love and everything that goes with that. And it would be hard to sell that she could have had this epiphany moment. 
Which is a good point. I hadn't looked at it that way before. RMP65821891 said, I felt like it was messy that she would sleep with a, a man again to test the water, so to speak. So to summarize, as a bisexual viewer, I felt that her recent sexual activities were reassurance that Kat needed to come out and label herself properly. She was touched by the speech, um, but she didn't, I think, really care for the fact that she slept with a man again, especially after what she did with French Ped. Right. Yeah. So... I think there's, like, a variety of experiences, and I think, like, what, you know, our bi listeners were sending us shows that everybody has a different relationship to their sexuality, so um, how we interpret these things are all different, but I appreciate everybody for sharing that with us. Yeah, very much so. I'm sorry that I didn't put out that question earlier, but I'm very grateful for those of you who had the time to respond. Yeah, so... Um, overall, uh, you know, I think we were processing through our feelings about the episode, but I thought it was a pretty good episode. Pretty funny. I thought the highlight of this episode was Jane's storyline for me. I really liked it and appreciated that. We'll be here next week and we will see how things go. And we are trying as much as possible to keep an open mind. So thank you all for listening Please follow us on Twitter at This Lesbian Shit, on Instagram at This Lesbian Ship, and we will see you next time. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. This Lesbian Ship is Intense is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.